Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. We are in the zone here Monday morning. I hope you are having a fantastic start to your week. Thank you for spending it with us. Lots to get to as we do every single Monday. We start with the big takeaways from the weekend that was in the NFL and in college football. And last night, the New England Patriots had zero issues with the uh, Atlanta Falcons in a rematch of the Super Bowl. And so we start off with that as one of our top uh, NFL takeaways. Are the Falcons done? I believe I'm correct in this. Is this three straight losses for the Falcons after starting 3-0? And this one is going to sting for a while because unlike every other opponent that the Patriots have had so far this year, the Falcons did not throw for over 300 yards. They did not move the ball at will up and down the field. The Patriots did what it seems like the Patriots always seem capable of doing, which is start to get themselves well as the season progresses. I can't claim to explain how a team that wasn't able to defend anybody in the passing game for the first five weeks of the season suddenly shows up and performs in an absolutely admirable fashion against the reigning league MVP from last year. I can't explain why the Patriots, who have not been good at home all year, who could have very easily been 0-3 in Foxborough, came out tonight, last night, and absolutely dominated. Except that's what the Patriots do. They get themselves well as the season progresses. Even if they look bad in September, by the time it's December, 
by the time it's November, even now by the time it's late October, they're sitting at 4-2 and two in first place in the AFC East, and you feel pretty good about their chances to get things solved. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily they've been great or that they're going to have home field throughout the playoffs. I think there are certainly a lot of reasons to believe that might not happen based on the way their season has gone so far. But at 4-2, and two, you feel pretty good about the Patriots being in the playoffs, and you don't want your team to be matched up to play against them right now. Meanwhile, for the Falcons, a lot of times the losing team in the playoffs has a year-long hangover. And early on, it looked like maybe the Falcons were not going to succumb to that problem. They started off 3-0. and Now they have lost three in a row. And given how competitive the NFC South is, other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who seem to have lost their way so far this year and have lost three straight games, the Falcons are close to being in last place in their division. They're in third place. They're having to deal with, we'll see what happens with Cam and the Panthers, and we'll certainly see whether Drew Brees and the Saints are officially back, but it certainly seems like it's going to be hard to win that division. So number one takeaway, the Patriots are back to being Patriots-like at least for one week in this performance, and the Falcons look like they are potentially going to be the latest team to suffer from a Super Bowl hangover now that they are six games into the season and they are 3-3 three and three and in third place in their own division. Second big takeaway in the NFL. There are five 5-2 five and two teams, if my math is correct. Obviously, tonight we have the Eagles going up against the Redskins and trying to become the only 6-1 and one team in the NFL. But when you look at the 5-2 and two division leading in first place teams, there are three that don't really necessarily, I think, surprise anybody. The Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Steelers. Those three AFC teams, I would say, if I had told you, hey, guess who the three best teams are going to be in the AFC coming into the season? If I had gone with the Patriots, the, the, the Chiefs, and the Steelers, I don't think anybody would have been surprised by that. I think you all kind of would have nodded at me and said, yeah, that totally makes sense. I can see the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Steelers. Sorry, the Patriots are 4-2, and two, but I'm giving them credit for being 5-2 and two right now. But if I had told you, I think it's fair to say that those are the three best teams right now in the AFC, I don't think I would have surprised you. So the Chiefs and the Steelers are both 5-2. and two. The Patriots have had a bye week already, and they are sitting, I believe, at 4-2. and two. If I had told you those are the three best teams in the AFC, I don't think anybody would have blinked. Oh, the Patriots are 5-2. and two. All right, so see, I got all crossed up. I got my notes here, and then I started thinking, wait a minute, are they actually 4-2? and two? All right, so they're actually 5-2. and two. The Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Steelers, three 5-2 and two teams in the AFC. Nobody would have been surprised at all about that. But how about the NFC right now? There are two 5-2 and two teams, and again, all you Eagles fans, fly, Eagles, fly, calm down. I'm leaving you out right now because you may be the best team in football. If you win against the Redskins, you basically have locked up the NFC East, and you'll be in great shape going forward. But there are two 5-2 and two teams in the NFC right now, the Rams and the Vikings. Would anybody out there have guessed that the Rams and the Vikings would be five and two and two of the top three teams in the NFC right now. Even the Eagles at five and one trying to go to six and one. So far the top of the NFC is a big surprise. The top of the AFC is almost exactly what we would have expected. Of those teams, 
which one in the NFC other than – let's take the Eagles off the table because they, they play tonight. We'll have plenty of time to react to them uh, after Monday Night Football tonight against the Redskins. Of the Rams and the Vikings, which one is more surprising? Got to be the Rams, right? Even though the Vikings are, it's really surprising that they're 5-2. and two. I think if I had told you that the Rams were going to be one of the six best teams in the NFL as we came up near the halfway point, a lot of you would have told me that I was crazy. I think if I had told you that Jared Goff was going to be potentially as good as Carson Wentz and as good as Dak Prescott this year, I think a lot of you would have told me I was insane. So when you look at the overall division-leading top of the NFL right now, there are six teams that stand out, three from the AFC, three from the NFC. I think the Rams and the Vikings so far are the biggest story in the NFL season, and the Rams, to me, by far the biggest surprise. Everything coming up at L.A. so far. you got the Dodgers in the World Series, and you got the Rams sitting at 5-2, and two, really in great shape to either win or or contend for that division in the NFC West all season long. Final question. What's up with Cam Newton? Is Cam Newton the most enigmatic quarterback in the NFL right now? I feel, remember the girl on Seinfeld who you weren't sure whether she was good-looking or bad-looking? It all depended on the light that you saw her in. I feel like that's Cam Newton. From a week-to-week basis, I have no idea whether he is At times, an MVP caliber quarterback. We saw him look like that against back-to-back weeks. On the road, he takes the Panthers on the road and they beat the Patriots. Then he takes the Panthers on the road and they beat the Lions. And he looks unstoppable. He looks like MVP Cam Newton from 2015, the guy who took his team to the Super Bowl. And then this guy that nobody seems to be able to recognize who performs and gets whipped by the Chicago Bears. 17-3. Not a lot of effort or energy emanating from the Carolina Panthers. They fall to four and three. After starting four and one, they've lost two in a row. Does anybody feel confident at all about what's up with Cam Newton, especially given that NFC South has the best quarterback collection, I think, of any division in football? Drew Brees has suddenly got his mojo back. The Saints are in first place. Matt Ryan, who knows what in the world's going on with the Falcons, but they've lost three in a row. Cam, very enigmatic, maybe the most enigmatic quarterback in the NFL right now, and Jameis Winston, who is having a third-year slump when it comes to overall results as they have now lost three straight games. That's my big takeaways from the NFL. We'll open up the phone lines. Remember, we only have one guest today, and that is uh, Petros Papadakis. I wanted to bring him on in hour three to talk about the uh, the Dodgers getting the uh, getting the big super uh, getting the big World Series advance, and also to talk about USC's collapse on the road against Notre Dame. How big of a story is that? We're going to get to all the big takeaways from college football up next, but I want to give you an opportunity to load up the phone lines as well. Hour one, hour two, only your calls, only your reactions to the week that was in college football and in the NFL. 877-996-6369. Remember, we're on Sirius XM channel 218. We are on XM channel 202. You can find us there. Now, you already know how much I love Dollar Shave Club's razors, but did you know they offer so much more? They make their own high-quality personal and grooming products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything. DSC has all your bathroom needs delivered. When you're at the store shopping for your personal and grooming needs, too many options and who can tell them apart? Not me. And if you have any questions, 
forget about it. It's not like the clerks are experts on the products. Now there's no need for the hassle of stepping in the store. I use Dollar Shave Club for almost everything. Razors, body cleanser, hair gel, even butt wipes. Again, I smell better than my wife do with all these products. DSC has you covered head to toe. Everything super high quality leaves me looking and feeling amazing. From premium ingredients to sophisticated scents, DSC is changing the game. And right now, you can try it all. You can get their first month starter set for just five bucks. It includes travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and a month of their best razor. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Don't miss out. Get your starter set for just five bucks today exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Should also mention seven different NFL teams failed to score a touchdown. I watched one of the worst games in the history of the NFL between the Titans and the Browns, which anybody who was stuck in the city of Cleveland or the city of Nashville, and this was your default game, overtime 12-9, all field goals. So no touchdowns, all field goals, just an ugly, ugly performance. I think one reason that NFL ratings have been down is there's a lot of bad football being played. That was the first time since 2001, according to a tweet from Adam Schefter, that seven or more teams all failed to score touchdowns. There were a lot of really bad football games to watch yesterday. Um, All right, let's pivot to the NFL, from the NFL to college football, and I'll give you my big takeaways there. First in college football, number one, Penn State crushed Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. And I've been on it for a while, but I think Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach maybe in the history of college football. I've got some stats for you here. And Michigan people all have all have uh, excuses. Oh, the team's young. Oh, Brady Hoke stunk. Oh, if the officiating had been better against Ohio State. Oh, well, we don't have a quarterback. Michigan has become like the pathetic five-year-old kid that always has an excuse when he's getting in trouble because he didn't listen to his parents. Here's some stats for you Michigan people out there. Time to acknowledge that your savior might actually be just an okay coach. Jim Harbaugh is now 6-5 and five in his last 11 games. Putting that into context, that's the same record that Butch Jones has, that Tennessee, in his last 11 games. He's now 25-8 and eight through 33 games, the exact same record that Brady Hoke had through 33 games at Michigan. Urban Meyer has just lost seven games in six years Jim Harbaugh has lost five in the last 11 games. Penn State absolutely dominated Michigan. This now means that I believe Michigan is going to finish 8-4, and four, which will be good. I think, Michigan fans, you are going to lose to Wisconsin on the road, and I think you're going to lose to Ohio State for the third straight year. That will mean that just in the Big Ten East, Jim Harbaugh's finishing standings will be in his three years third third and fourth Jim Harbaugh through three years 
at Michigan will have not have done better than finish third in the Big Ten East. Oh, but he goes overseas and they do football practice in Italy. Oh, but he wants satellite camps. Oh, but look at him. He wears khaki pants and he doesn't wear a shirt during his football camps. Guess what? He also sucks at identifying a quarterback and he's had three years to find a good one and you guys still don't have one. And guess what? I'm starting to think that Jim Harbaugh never is going to be that good at Michigan in terms of a dominant performance. Now, is he a top 15 coach in college football? Maybe. We'll see what he does this year. So far, all he's proven is that he can win with Brady Hoke's players. Year three is typically, if you are a great college football coach, where you take the next step. Nick Saban, year three at Alabama, national championship. Urban Meyer, year three at Ohio State, national championship. And oh, by the way, year two at at Florida, national championship. If you are good enough, by year three, your team should have become dominant. People out there say, well, he inherited a dumpster fire. Well, if that's the case, why were his first two years better than his third? By year three, your players should start to be having an impact. You should certainly have a quarterback. And if you want to compare yourself with Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, which is just laughable, then Jim Harbaugh should be contending for a national championship in year three instead of finishing fourth in the Big Ten East. And by the way, he might finish fifth because I got to tell you, I think there's a chance that Maryland could give him a game. Michigan is not good. Jim Harbaugh, so far, the most overrated coach in the history of college football, at least modern history of college football. Speaking of overrated, about underrated, James Franklin. James Franklin and Penn State are 15-1 and in their last 16 games, and the only game they lost was the Rose Bowl, where Sam Darnold got smoking hot and actually looked like he was a decent uh, player before Clay Helton and T. Martin fell apart. But we'll get to that right now. James Franklin, Penn State, maybe the most underrated coach in college football right now. I cannot wait to see what happens in that game. Penn State at Ohio State this weekend playing for the Big Ten title in Columbus. By the way, you want a complicating factor? What happens if Penn State finishes 11-1, and but Ohio State drops another game? Then you've got the exact same situation as last year. Let's say Ohio State beats Penn State, which I think there's a good chance of, and let's say all you Michigan fans finally get your glorious signature win, and Jim Harbaugh, who's now 1-4 against Penn State and Michigan, I mean, sorry, against Ohio State and Michigan State, the big rival programs there, Let's say that he finds a way to come back and beat Michigan. I mean, to beat Ohio State. Then you've got a really complicated factor there because, remember, Ohio State's already got the early season loss to Oklahoma. I think college football, boys and girls, is setting up for a really complicated playoff picture at the end of the year. Maybe we can start to get to that. I mean, we're two-thirds of the way through the season for many teams. Notre Dame, they crushed USC. If you are a Trojan fan, What in the world is up with your football team? I think Clay Helton and T. Martin are in over their heads. That's the head coach, Clay Helton, and the offensive coordinator, T. Martin. I'm telling you right now, USC has played eight games so far this year. In seven of them, 
they've looked underwhelming, underprepared, and not well coached. One time USC has taken the field this year and played a good game start to finish, and that was against Stanford. I've watched parts of all seven of their other games, and they have never looked like a well-coached, well-prepared, schematically advanced football team yet this year. I still think Sam Darnold's going to be number one or number two drafted overall, but I'm legitimately questioning whether Clay Helton and T. Martin are completely over their heads as head coach and offensive coordinator. All that matters is your head coach in college football, and Brian Kelly dominated against uh, really what looked like high school-level competition for Notre Dame. Now, let's shift gears a little bit here for Notre Dame. Could 11-1 Notre Dame get in the playoff? I told you last week, and hopefully you took the gambling picks because we had some good successes. Easy win with Penn State in the over. Easy win with Notre Dame against uh, USC. I told you last week that I believed, contrary to just about every other year in college football, that I thought, miraculously, Notre Dame was the most underrated team in college football. And then they went out and dominated USC. Now... Could 11-1 Notre Dame get into the playoff? Look at what they finish with. They finish with NC State, Notre Dame does. They're about a touchdown favorite over NC State. Wake Forest. Then they go to Miami. We're talking about Catholics versus convicts coming back and mattering in a big way because the Hurricanes remain undefeated at 6-0. Then they finish with Navy and then at Stanford. If Notre Dame goes 11-1... I think it's going to be really hard, given their schedule, to leave the Irish out of the playoff. Now, there's lots that still has to happen, but Notre Dame, sitting at 6-1, and one, has beaten all six of the teams they have beaten by 20 or more points. The only game they lost was by one point to Georgia. And this, by the way, is why I'm also saying the SEC has a really good chance to get two teams in the playoff this year. Because I think what's going to happen is 12-0 Alabama is going to play 12-0 Georgia. And are you telling me that 12-0 Georgia, which lost to Alabama to go 12-1 and and had out-of-conference wins over 11-1 Notre Dame and potentially 8-4-ish Georgia Tech, in addition to eight wins in the SEC and one neutral site loss to the number one overall seed Alabama Crimson Tide, would not make the playoff? I think you're crazy. I think the SEC has a really good shot at getting two teams in the playoff if both of them arrive in Atlanta at 12-0. and Final big takeaway, and I am over it. I think it's insane. I think it's ludicrous that this has not happened already. Tennessee and Arkansas both got blown out by Alabama and Auburn, respectively, and Butch Jones and Brett Bielema both have to be done. I think we've moved on from are Butch Jones or Brett Bielema going to get it done at Tennessee or Arkansas, and we're into the new universe of who should those two schools hire? Because they're both, I think, going to fire their coaches. To me, Tennessee is going all in with John Gruden. They are offering him around $10 million, I'm told. They are offering him complete control of the program. And some of you sitting out there saying, wait, John Gruden? The guy who calls Monday Night Football? Why in the world would he take the Tennessee job after a decade away? Well, He started his coaching career at Tennessee as a graduate assistant. He married a former University of Tennessee cheerleader. 
His son is currently enrolled as a student at the University of Tennessee. He was just in Knoxville last weekend for the game against South Carolina. And so he has long been flirted with and rumored as the great white coaching whale for the University of Tennessee. I am told that they Tennessee has finally decided we're going to spend big money on a coach. If John Gruden says yes, then he's coming. If not, then I think it gets intriguing. Who does Tennessee hire? Chip Kelly. Do they make a call to, uh, to Bob Stoops and see whether Bob Stoops is willing to come out of coaching retirement? I think the floor for Tennessee, I always think when you go to search for a new coach, you got to think in terms of ceiling and you got to think in terms of floor. Who's the best guy you can get? Who is the worst guy that you're going to end up with? Who's the ceiling and who's the floor? Ceiling for Tennessee is John Gruden. And I mean it legitimately. It would not stun me if he eventually says yes, given the amount of money that he's being offered. But we'll talk about that. We'll take your calls, 877-996-6369. I think the floor for Tennessee is Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen from Mississippi State, guy who's been to eight straight bowl games, I think they could hire him, bring him to Tennessee, and I think he would win at a pretty high level. But I think you got to make a bunch of calls. I would be fine with uh, with any of the guys that I mentioned, plus I would put Bobby Petrino in that mix. The guy I'd go to second overall, James Franklin. I think a lot of schools out there that are going to have openings, call James Franklin. Offer him $10 million a year if you can afford to do it. I think that guy's underpaid. I think Penn State needs to pay him $10 million a year. If Jim Harbaugh is making what he's making, then he needs to be making at least what Jim Harbaugh is making, considering he's already won the Big Ten title, and he's going to be in the mix for it again. He's already been to the Rose Bowl, unlike Jim Harbaugh. So I would call James Franklin. He just has a $2 million buyout. I think that's a smart play. Arkansas, you know who I would hire if I were Arkansas? We talked to him on Friday. If you didn't listen to it, I'd encourage you guys to go download the podcast. If I were Arkansas, I'd call Lane Kiffin and I'd hire him. I'm not kidding about that. Lane Kiffin's FAU team scored 69 points and scored on 11 straight possessions. If you're USC right now, are you really telling me that you wouldn't have rather have Lane Kiffin coaching Sam Darnold right now? I don't think USC would have two losses if Lane Kiffin were coaching right now. I think he's so much better and more prepared and better at his job on the offensive side of the ball than Clay Helton and T. Martin are. Down at FAU, they scored 69 points. They are going to win Conference USA in year one. Lane Kiffin took over a 3-9 and nine football team, and he's already got more wins. And his losses so far are pretty easy to explain away losses. They went on the road and got beaten by Wisconsin. They didn't play well against Buffalo, and they lost to Navy. Two teams that are top 25 caliber, one that's undefeated, and they're undefeated now in conference. I'm telling you, they're going to destroy Western Kentucky. One of my early betting picks is FAU. That line has already moved a lot in my direction. If I were Arkansas, I would hire Lane Kiffin. I think he could win at a really high level. I think he'd give the program some energy. I think given what you've been through after five years of Brett Bielema, Lane Kiffin in the SEC would be an awful lot of fun at Arkansas. That would be my hire. If you're not going to hire him, I'd go look at Iowa State. Iowa State's on a roll right now. I think you'd get away their coach there if you're Arkansas. But I think the age of uh, everything that's associated with uh, with Brett Bielema and with Butch Jones has to be gone. Those are my big three takeaways in college football, big three takeaways in the NFL. We're opening up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. 
Let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia, give us a little bit of an idea of what's shaking in the world of sports. What's up, my man? What's up, Clay? Uh, obviously, a big week seven in the NFL. Let's give you a quick note on all the action. Sunday night, it was the Patriots handling the Falcons 23-7 in a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. It really wasn't even as close as that score might indicate. New England's now 5-2 and two on the season. Tom Brady had two first-half touchdown passes. In the late action, Chargers shut out the Broncos 21-0. That's Denver's first shutout loss in 25 years. Cowboys roll over the 49ers on the road 40-10. Ezekiel Elliott, 219 yards rushing, three touchdowns. San Francisco drops to 0-7. Steelers beat the Bengals 29-14. Pittsburgh's 5-2. Ben Roethlisberger had two touchdown passes. Seahawks over the Giants on the road 24-7. Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson, three touchdown passes all in the second half. New York drops to 1-6. In the early game, Saints beat the Packers 26-17. New Orleans has won four in a row. For Green Bay quarterback Brett Hudley in for Aaron Rodgers. No touchdown passes, one interception, one touchdown run in the loss. Bears over the Panthers 17-3. Chicago rookie safety Eddie Jackson had a 75-yard fumble return for a touchdown and a 76-yard interception return for a score. Rams shut out the Cardinals 33-0. LA's 5-2. Arizona quarterback Carson Palmer suffered a broken arm. He's out a minimum of eight weeks. Bills over the Buccaneers 30-27. Buffalo kicker Stephen Hauschka wins it with a late field goal. Vikings over the Ravens 24-16. Minnesota's 5-2. Their kicker Kai Forbath had six field goals. Dolphins get by the Jets 31-28. Backup quarterback Matt Moore threw two TD passes late. In for the injured Jay Cutler who has suffered a chest injury. Overtime for the Titans to get by the Browns. 12-9 in a battle of field goals. Cleveland's 0-7, and the Jaguars shut out the Colts 27-0. This report's brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay sticking with the college football theme. The new top 25 rankings are out after what was pretty much an upset-free weekend. Top nine remain unchanged. Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, TCU, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Clemson, Miami. Notre Dame checks in at number nine with Oklahoma, despite winning, dropping to number 10. Good stuff. By the way, I don't want to leave Nebraska fans out here. Nebraska's playing Purdue. Tennessee's playing Kentucky. You want to know how far Nebraska and Tennessee's football programs have fallen? Nebraska's nearly a touchdown underdog at Purdue. Tennessee is a five-and-a-half-point underdog at Kentucky. I don't know how else to explain that. Scott Frost, interesting question about whether or not what he's got rolling at Central Florida Will he he be the savior for Nebraska? Or could Tennessee and or Arkansas also end up pursuing Scott Frost? Obviously, he is the the favored son of the Nebraska Cornhusker program. And I think there's a lot of Nebraska people out there saying Scott Frost can save us from college football obsolescence. Um, I do think there's going to be a lot of people probably writing pieces comparing Nebraska and Tennessee, two programs that are powerhouses from the 90s. I actually think Nebraska is in a tougher spot as a program. Because Nebraska joined the Big Ten, and they cut themselves off from Oklahoma and from Texas, which is where most of their recruits were in the Big 12 days. Tennessee just needs a good coach. Because if you look at the overall recruiting terrain, and that's what matters the most in college football, the the area, the three-and-a-half or four-hour area, if you draw a circle around this uh, University of Tennessee, has actually become a burgeoning recruiting metropolis. You can win a national championship by only taking players within four four hours of your campus. That gets Charlotte, that gets Atlanta, and that gets Nashville all into the University of Tennessee's recruiting base. If you draw a circle four hours around Lincoln, Nebraska, and you say you're only going to get players within that four-hour radius, I'm not sure you can win a Big Ten game if you only bring in guys from that four-hour radius. 
I, I mean that legitimately. I'm not even trying to be uh, trying to make a joke about it. I mean, Nebraska still has to recruit nationally. The regional, the regional recruiting base for the University of Tennessee has exploded in a good way in the last decade with the massive growth in Charlotte, Atlanta, and Nashville and the quality of player that's being uh, recruited and, uh, and produced there. Same thing can't be said of Nebraska. So to me, those are, uh, are big-time takeaways. Let's bring in the crew and, uh, and find out what I left out. Jason Martin, what else stood out to you? Maybe one thing in the NFL, maybe one thing in college football. The one thing in the NFL, and you kind of you kind of did mention it as your fourth thing when you came back, and it's what I had written down. It's the only thing I took away from yesterday in the NFL. I'm going to list out some numbers for you here. 8, 9, 14, 15, 16, 17, 21, 27, 30, and 33. If you're asking me what those numbers are, those are 10 of the point differentials yesterday in the NFL. Three shutouts yesterday, a fourth team that only scored a field goal, three others that had no touchdowns, as you mentioned, seven teams with no touchdowns yesterday, two of those in the same game that went to overtime. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. How about Mitch Trubisky's Chicago team winning 17-3 to over Carolina, a game where he completed just four passes in that game and threw just seven. That was hideous football yesterday. Pretty much all day, and look, I'm a little salty because my Broncos were absolutely just embarrassing, and that's actually what the quote was coming from their locker room after they got shut out 21 to nothing by the Chargers. But this NFL slate yesterday, the way these teams played, this was bad football all day long. It wasn't a great college football weekend either. Like Eddie said during his update there, there weren't a whole lot of upsets. There weren't anything all that meaty to watch. There were some blowouts. And there were some terrible performances that we expected, including your volunteers, Clay. But this wasn't a great football weekend. But the NFL, even though we've had some decent games, and the Thursday night game was was absolutely fantastic. And we have had a couple of good weeks. The NFL can't take much more of what I saw yesterday because I was ready to turn off red zone. And that never happens. But around like the third quarter of those late games, I was pretty much done. And I don't think I was alone. We'll take your calls, 877-996-6369. We'll head out to L.A., see how the City of Angels is celebrating being in the World Series. Uh, Now to know they're going to play against Houston. I'll actually be in L.A. tomorrow after the show, uh, and I'm curious to see what the vibe is uh, going to be as they get ready for Game 1 against uh, the Houston Astros. Congratulations to the City of Houston. You've been through a lot Saturday night. Big-time win for the City to be able to root after the uh, the hurricane and the flooding, to be able to root for the Astros. Really great story there. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. This is OutKick. Up next, your reactions as we move through the week that was in college football in the NFL. Bears played an awful game against the Panthers, especially if you're a Cam Newton fan. Don't know what in the world was going on there. They let Mitch Trubisky throw the ball seven times. Why'd they only throw it seven times? They scored, I believe, two defensive touchdowns. One of them... Well, it was a big-time play by Eddie Jackson in the secondary. Here's what it sounded like. McCaffrey to his right, crowd making noise, back to throw the slant, busted up in the air by Amukamara, and intercepted by the Bears, running down the sideline to the right side. Eddie Jackson's got the 40 of the Panthers, and he's going to go again. It is a touchdown, touchdown Bears. Audio courtesy of the Bears Radio Network. That's your Geico play of the day. Great news, quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. 
877-996-6369. Taking your calls here uh, to react to college football and the NFL. Hop in. Uh, let's go out to L.A. Uh, what is the vibe out there, Danny G and uh, Robert? First of all, USC is a disaster. I mean, they may go 10-2 and two still, although I think the Trojans have a good chance to lose against Arizona State this weekend. But all the talk about Clay Helton that surfaced last year is back up in the air about his being not ready for this job, especially because Sam Darnold still seems like he's going to leave. And there has been absolutely no evolution whatsoever in his growth as a quarterback or in the overall excitement level or growth of the USC football team. Having said that, Rams go to London. They're now 5-2, and two, and the World Series about to start tomorrow in L.A. Things are looking yeah. up in the City of Angels. It's crazy here that, you know, usually our talk in the hallways is about the NFL, but I, I wish it was Tuesday already. It's crazy excitement in this city. Everywhere you look, you see Dodger blue. Uh, I've already seen lots of World Series hats in town and lots of conversations about tickets. Of course, everybody wants to be in the house. And um, What are tickets going for? I have no idea. They were, uh, for nosebleeds, they were $1,074 each when the Yankees and Astros Series wasn't decided. So when people thought it could be the Yankees, it was over 1000 for each ticket. That was just to get in the building. Now, w- once the Astros advanced, those same tickets, $768 each. Yeah, so they've dropped a little bit because there's a lot yeah. of New York connection, obviously, in L.A., and the Yankees probably would have brought a decent number of fans as well. Still pretty awesome. That starts tomorrow night yep, on in Fox. L.A. And that, that game on Fox, that game starts at 5 o'clock, basically, Pacific time, Our right? time, right, 8.05 p.m. Eastern. Um, and here's the crazy part. Today and tomorrow, the high in downtown L.A., 100 degrees. At game time, it'll still be in the 90s. Yeah, you know what? I looked that up because uh, I'm flying out tomorrow. I'm going to come out and do the uh, Adam Carolla and Rabin Report podcast. So I'm doing the show that I'm hopping a flight to, uh, to L.A. tomorrow morning. And uh, Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz will have the show on Wednesday. But uh, as I'm flying back, so I'm only out in L.A. for a day. But I looked at it, and I thought I needed to do a reset. It's going to be 100 degrees the next two days in L.A., right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's crazy and the for thing mid-October. At, at Chavez Ravine, when it's that hot, you see a lot of home runs. So the ball could be jumping off the bats. We'll see exactly what to expect. That's going to be a traffic cataclysm, too, trying to get there at 5 o'clock on a Monday. Oh, yeah, right? get there four hours Tuesday. before game time. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you can go Larry David and get the uh, the hooker to drive in the carpool lane with you. Uh, what uh, what about Robert? Anything that st- that stood out to you from the uh, the weekend that was in college football in the NFL? Yeah, Clay, I'm actually a, a huge UCLA fan, so I was actually a little bit disappointed that uh, they went in and handled Oregon the way they did on Saturday. So you want Chip Kelly? So I you were want rooting Chip for Kelly them to lose. so bad, and it, it's I mean, obviously, I want my team to win, you know, first and foremost. But the fact is that UCLA is very inconsistent under Jim Moore, and that's the most frustrating thing. If they're going to be bad, I'd rather them to be all the way bad or all the way good. But to play like crap against teams like Stanford or get embarrassed by Arizona and then to bounce back and look great against Oregon, it's just it's frustrating. And I think Jim Mora has to go. So the fact that he won and he kind of delayed the inevitable possibly into the following season just frustrates me. Yeah, you know, the Chip Kelly sweepstakes are going to be intriguing because I think there are three decent-sized programs right now, Tennessee, Nebraska, and Arkansas, that it's almost impossible for their head coach not to get fired. Uh, Tennessee's an underdog against uh, freaking Kentucky. I mean, that that's inexcusable uh, in year five for that to happen with Butch Jones. 
uh, Nebraska is a road underdog against Purdue. I, again, these are just like massive alarm bells going off. And I don't think Arkansas can beat anybody. I mean, in year five, Arkansas has been even worse than Tennessee and Nebraska. So I think all three of those jobs are going to come open. And then the expectation out west had been maybe Arizona State, but Todd Graham seems to have things rolling. I think they beat USC this weekend and continue that malaise that USC is in the middle of. And the the thought had been maybe UCLA is going to have to replace uh, Jim Mora. But like you said, I mean, uh, UCLA goes out and gets a win over Oregon. And uh, and maybe Jim Moore is actually going to survive out at UCLA as well. Who knows exactly what's going to happen? Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Let me get a couple of your calls in here quickly. Uh, who we got, Jason? Who should I go to first? Let's go to Miami and talk to Banks. Banks in Miami. What was your takeaway, Banks? Hey, uh, I think uh, when it comes to uh, the Rams, they did they did a pretty good job building the team around uh, Jared Goff this year. Uh, so yeah, they are surprised, but. When you're speaking about the Vikings, you know, you can't be disrespecting the Vikings like with some chump. Um, I think that, you know, they 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 just as surprised as the Eagles are because last year we both started 5-0, but then we uh, had dumpster fires uh, during the rest of the season. So being Yeah, the that's a good that point. We, um, lost yeah, the Vikings, the Vikings and the Eagles both had really good starts last year and both fell apart. Can they sustain it? Uh, let's go to Tate in, Ohio, uh, in Kentucky. Sorry, what's up, Tate? Clay, oh, you here? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, uh, I was just going to comment. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know you mentioned the coaching carousel. But, you know, uh, first and foremost. Uh, All right, pause, show. pause, Tate here. We're going to have to come back to you. Here's the deal. Well, the 877-996-6369. I want you guys to load up the phone lines. I'll come to you for the start of hour two. But I need you to hit the hit the hit your point quickly. When you come to me, assume that I'm here. You get me from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern every single Monday to Friday. I'm going to be here talking to you guys on Satellite Radio 218, XM 202, 250-plus AM FM stations nationwide. Assume that I am here. You hit the ground running with your point. We don't need a lot of preliminaries. I want you to get right to the gusto. Pretend that you're pitching me, and I'm trying to invest millions of dollars in your product. Are you going to start with a bunch of, like, hymns and haws and you there? Hey, what? Ha, ha, what? Hey, how you doing? Are you going to get right to your point? Make a play. Let's go fast, fast, fast. No huddle. Next calls on Outkick, the coverage. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Um, what about last night? Anybody else get in the mood for Halloween? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I, Halloween is second only to Christmas in my house. And it's not that far behind Christmas now in terms of the amount of preparation that goes into Halloween, in terms of the kids, uh, in terms of the kids' costumes, in terms of all of the decorations that go on in the house, in terms of the planning uh, around how you're going to spend Halloween, what about the weekend before Halloween, what kind of parties are the kids going to go to, what kind of events are going on for the adults. I mean, it's not quite Christmas, but if you've got kids – Halloween is 
up there. Like every year, it seems like Halloween creep happens a little bit more. And last night when I'm watching that game, first of all, I'm ecstatic about Stranger Things 2 coming out. And that happens soon, right? What's the official release date for Stranger Things 2, uh, J-Mart? It's Friday. Friday. So, I, like, I, I'm, I'm going to – Friday, What time, what, how does that work? Does Netflix release it at midnight on Friday? Midnight Pacific. It's usually around 2, 3 a.m. on the east. So it'll be up all day Friday, yeah. basically, as soon as most people – as people are waking up. So Friday night, I'm guessing that I'll probably sit around like a loser and watch three or four hours at least of Stranger Things 2 – and I can't wait for it. But I'm saying this because last night, as I'm watching that fog kind of uh, enrapture and overwhelm uh, all of the field at Foxborough, I was thinking, man, this is kind of a perfect preview for the upcoming college football and, uh, and NFL spectacular Halloween-laden weekend that we've got. And then leading into, what, eight days from now, we've got Halloween. And I tell you, every single year, it gets a little bit more of a big deal when it comes to Halloween. And, and so in our house right now, like every kid has to get his own costume. And I actually spent part of Friday because my son wants to go, my middle son wants to go as a zombie Alabama football player. And so he wants to be a zombie Alabama football player. And, you know, he's going to get made up and everything else. And so uh, we're deciding, like, my wife calls me and she's like, how much can I spend on a jersey just to tear it up? so that he can be a zombie Alabama football player. And I'm thinking to myself, this is what a like what a ridiculous situation we're in here where my son has become such an Alabama football fan that while we're watching the Tennessee Alabama game, he and I together, he's trash talking me. He's 7 years old and he's decided that Alabama is his favorite football team and obviously his great-grandfather played for General Neyland. I grew up a Tennessee fan, so I'm sitting there trying to watch the game. Alabama's in the process of putting up over 600 yards of offense. The only way that Tennessee scores is via 95-yard interception return. And meanwhile, I'm rooting for Alabama down the stretch, too, because I want them to cover. Alabama is so much better. That was our blood bank guarantee. And by the way, I hope you got the blood bank in there because we covered. Alabama is so much better than Tennessee that they pulled their starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, with 12 minutes left in the third quarter. I I just It is inconceivable to me that there could ever become this much of a gap between the two programs. There's never been a bigger gap, I don't think, in the history of the Alabama-Tennessee rivalry than exists right now. Thanks, Butch Jones, for sucking as bad as you possibly do. And he's sitting there trash-talking me. But what do you guys think is the the maximum amount that you would spend? Like, I'm going to buy a jersey, an Alabama football jersey, so that we can tear it up so that he can be a zombie Alabama football player. Now, why he wants to be a zombie Alabama football player, I don't know. I think he just wants to be an Alabama football player, but he wants to make it more Halloweenish by becoming a zombie Alabama football player as opposed to just a regular Alabama football player. You guys don't have kids yet, but is $60 for a kid's youth jersey so that you can tear it up an advisable amount? Like, I, I just... I've got money now, but for most of my life, I didn't have that much money. That seems crazy to me to spend $60 to immediately cut up a jersey so he can be a zombie football player for one night. Well, you have to you have to factor in one thing, and I don't know the answer to this because I haven't shopped for him, I don't know, since I was 14, maybe is the last time I really dressed up for Halloween. No, you how dressed much up do as regular a Halloween, How much do regular Halloween costumes cost, like now for kids, like a decent Halloween costume? 
because you have to kind of factor that in. If you're buying the jersey, you're at sixty bucks, or you're assumably at sixty bucks, unless you like find some aftermarket deal that looks close enough that you can get away with. How you know how much are you spending on a half decent Halloween costume these days? No, that's a good point. I mean, my uh, my two year three year old is going as Lightning McQueen, and it's like the Lightning McQueen where it's like the car kind of pops out on either side of him. Does that make sense? It's like his legs yeah, go in, yeah. and then on either side, he's got a Lightning McQueen on uh, the front and the back. Uh, and so that that probably was a 60 or $70 purchase as well. Do you guys dress up? Like, do you, are, you said you haven't no. dressed up in a long time. Danny G and Robert, are you guys going to dress up at all in any way for Halloween? Well, I'm Tupac every year. I have Every year. Every that year. That mask is awesome, though, yeah. I will admit. That mask is great. In San Francisco about 10 years ago, I found the best Tupac mask. And that was a decision I had to make, Clay, because the mask was like $90. And I thought, oh, that's that's too pricey. But then I realized I would never see another Tupac mask that good. So I bought it, and I've used it for the past 10 years. So every year you're Tupac. Every it's like year a, I have a It's tu- an annual. Yep. I have a, an Oaktown shirt with a Tupac chain. I put the mask on. I have some Tupac shoes, and I'm ready to go. What about you, Robert? Do you dress up? Uh, I do not, uh, but I just told Jason in, in, uh, off the air right now that I spent over $100 on uh, candy and, and Christmas decorations at Costco this weekend. So yeah, I'm you know, right with you. I think that's that's always the interesting question. How much do you spend on candy too? Because we have got so much, and I I just my wife bought the candy way too early because I just that we're supposed to be giving out to the kids because I keep opening it and going to get snacks, uh, candy snacks. Like to me, if it's in the house, it should exist and and be uh, our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is is a total zoo. I mean, on on Halloween night and all, basically for multiple days in advance, and so. We get hit. And also the other question is how late do people come? Because I get up early to do this show, and some of these kids are out trick-or-treating to like 10 o'clock at night now. Like, get control of your kids. You can't – I don't think you can ring a doorbell after 9. I think if you're ringing a doorbell after 9, you're, you're, you're pushing the envelope there. Anyway, the point of all this is that when I was watching in Foxborough, I'm thinking, man, this is kind of the perfect atmospheric setting for the Halloween kind of, kind of uh, get-up. I will say this about the NFL – the games were awful. Seven teams didn't score touchdowns this past weekend. I really do believe, believe that the game I watched between the Titans and the Browns is the worst football game I've ever watched in my life. I mean, it was. it's not as if it were a game. It was 12-9 to 9 in overtime, with, and it almost went the full length of overtime. <laughs> the worst part was you guys were both punting during overtime. The, the, the Browns punted <laughs> twice during overtime. The Browns did not get a first down in overtime. In overtime. They got two possessions. The war, and then on top of that, the Titans played to set up a 47-yard field goal with two minutes left in overtime to win that game. They ran the ball three straight times down to the two-minute warning so that they could set up a 47-yard field goal. I really thought that he was going to miss it. The Browns would have had no chance to score, but I thought the Browns might get a, a tie which would have been an unbelievable result to play four quarters and an overtime. Neither team gets a touchdown, and we end in a tie at, at whatever it was, 9-9. Nine to nine. I mean, it was an atrocious game. But I do have to say this, uh, and, and I mean, not, in, not a good game in like, oh, the defenses were so good, just an atrocious game. The leading receiver going into overtime, the guy who had caught the most balls as a wide receiver, Kevin Byard picked off three Cleveland Browns passes. He's a Titans safety. 
he had the same number of catches as any wide receiver in that game as they went into overtime. That's how bad it was in terms of like anything at all happening down the field. But I will say this in, de- in, in defense of the NFL. I didn't hear that much talk finally about the protests. Am I correct that this was the least protest talked about? Like maybe this thing is finally dying. Maybe we can stop talking about protesting in the NFL. And I'm not talking about the protests. I'm saying I didn't hear much talk about it. It seems like it may have finally faded. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take a break, open up the phone lines for you guys, 877-996-6369. I want you guys to make plays on the phone calls. When we come back, I'm going to reset my argument that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in the history of college football, and I want the crew as well as you guys out there, can you think of somebody that is more overrated than Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to give you all my stats and all my details about Jim Harbaugh being overrated as a college football coach, but I want you guys to think about who, in your experience, has been more overrated than Jim Harbaugh. Because right now, I can't think of a coach that has been more overrated, more praise, more absolute endorsement that has rained down on Jim Harbaugh than him right now in college football or the NFL or any other sport. Who's the most overrated coach? I'm going to make you the case that in the modern era, i.e. the last 20 years or so, Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated college football coach or coach in general of the last 20 years. I'm going to give you my stats. Can you name another one? 877-996-6369. This is Outkick the Coverage. Hanging with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right. Jim Harbaugh. Dominated crushed, obliterated by James Franklin in Penn State this past weekend. Game was never really in doubt. Penn State comes out, scores 14 straight. Harbaugh's Michigan team scores 13 to answer. It's 21-13 at the half. Never close. Absolute beatdown throughout the entire second half. Could have scored 50 if they needed to on them. Jim Harbaugh, I want some stats here for you. Jim Harbaugh is now 6-5 and five in his last 11 games. That's the same record as Tennessee football coach Butch Jones, who everybody is demanding being fired. He's now 25-8 and eight through 33 games. That's the exact same record that Brady Hoke had. He's cruising towards an 8-4 and four season. I think that Michigan will lose on the road against Wisconsin – and I think they'll lose at home for a third straight year to Ohio State. At 8-4, and four, that will make them fourth in the Big Ten East, which will mean the third year for Jim Harbaugh, where he finished third and third in year one and two in the Big Ten East, will be worse than the first two years, and he'll finish fourth. Remember, Jim Harbaugh has never finished better than third in the Big Ten East. Crazy stat for you. Jim Harbaugh is 6-5 and five in his last 11 games. Urban Meyer has lost just seven games in six years at Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh is being paid like he is Urban Meyer, like he is Nick Saban, 
both Urban Meyer and Nick Saban at Ohio State and at Alabama won national titles in year three. Jim Harbaugh is going to go eight and four. I'm making the case right now that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in the history of college football. I mean, modern history. I don't know about like 1940, who people sat around and argued was the most overrated coach. I'm talking about modern history of college football, the last 25 years. Can anybody in any other sport come up with somebody worse than Jim Harbaugh in terms of a coach that has had all the praise rained down upon him? I mean, if you talk to the media and the way the media covers Jim Harbaugh, satellite camps, oh, he's so amazing. Look at all this satellite camp talk. Oh, Michigan's going to go all over the country and they're going to have these satellite camps. Well, if they're going all over the country, how about they find a quarterback? Because they haven't had one in three years, and supposedly Jim Harbaugh is a great quarterback coach. Oh, look at Michigan. They're going over to Italy. Let's go to Italy and cover Jim Harbaugh. Oh, look, Jim Harbaugh is talking about milk. Oh, look, Jim Harbaugh is talking about his khakis. Oh, look, Jim Harbaugh is talking about how uh, the SEC is afraid of him. Nobody's afraid of Jim Harbaugh. He's not done better than finish third in the Big Ten East. You can make the case, I think, very soundly right now that he's the fourth best coach in his own division. Urban Meyer is the best coach in the Big Ten East. I think James Franklin's the second best coach right now in the Big Ten East. And by the way, Franklin has a chance to change that a little bit because if he beats Urban Meyer back-to-back years, doesn't happen very often. We'll see what happens on the road in Columbus this weekend and what is effectively, I believe, the Big Ten title game. Mark D'Antonio certainly owns Jim Harbaugh. He's 2-1 and one against him head-to-head with two wins on the road in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh is the fourth best coach in the Big Ten East. Fourth best in his own division. Yet he is treated like he is God's gift to coaching by the media and by everybody else out there. Now, Michigan fans are making all sorts of excuses. They're like, oh, well, he didn't have a lot of talent. He inherited a dumpster fire. What about the officiating against Ohio State? JT Barrett didn't get the first down. Oh, it's it's cold in Michigan. Oh, I mean, it's it's rainy. Oh, the ball was wet. What about the bad snap? What about the blocked punt? We should have beaten Michigan State that year. Lots of excuses. You guys are mediocre in year three under Jim Harbaugh. Own it. You're paying a ton of money for mediocre results. That's because Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in all of sports right now and one of the most overrated coaches in the modern history of athletics. 877-996-6369. Let's go around the horn. I'll start in L.A. Can you guys think of a coach more overrated in the last 25 years than Jim Harbaugh? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, do you agree with me that he's <laughs> based on his results? Like people can go, oh, well, at Stanford, he did X. And at the 49ers, he went to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. And at San Diego, he was he was really good. I'm talking about right now. Right now at his current job, Jim Harbaugh has finished third in the Big Ten East in year one, third in year two, and he is now going to finish fourth in the Big Ten East in year three. I submit that he's the fourth best coach in his own division, yet the way he is covered, you would think he was Bear Bryant. You would think that he was Fielding Yost. You would think that he was the modern-day greatest coach of his era. And the truth of the matter is, 
absolute domination by Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, even Jimbo Fisher. He's not even close to any of the four of those guys in terms of his achievements at his current job. And I'm starting, people are like, oh, look at what he did at Stanford. Well, he got Andrew Luck as a three-star to come to Stanford. How much of that was maybe just getting Andrew Luck? How much of that was the difference in year four to Stanford becoming really good? He happened to get one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of college football at Stanford in year four. No doubt that he made Stanford better. But how much of that? Does he have the greatest quarterback in the history of college football coming to Ann Arbor next year? Because if not, he's going into year four still not having a quarterback and still having mediocre results. You're getting paid $9, $10 million a year like he is, basically. you got to do better than come in fourth in your own division. Any idea? I, I can't even, I, in all honesty, like I was thinking about this on Sunday as I was making notes about what I was going to talk about today, and also on Sunday as I was writing my uh, my college football write-up and doing all, looking at all the research on Jim Harbaugh, 6-5 and five in his last 11 games. He has... Uh, Urban Myers lost just seven games in six years at Ohio State. So in the last 11 games, uh, Jim Harbaugh has almost lost as many games. He's got the same record through 33 games as Brady Hoke. Uh, he just got crushed. They're going to finish fourth in the Big Ten East in year three. In year three, Urban Meyer won a national championship. In year three, Nick Saban won a national championship. In year three, Dabo Sweeney won his division. Year three is typically when you find out whether or not you've got a dominant coach. Jim Harbaugh has been covered in the media as if he's going to be a dominant coach. None of the results justify it. 877-996-6369. Let's go to some of your calls. Unless you guys, anybody out there, any of the crew have a name that's the equivalent? I can't even think of the equivalent name to Jim Harbaugh in terms of a guy who's been more overrated relative to results. I can't even think of one. The problem is because of his celebrity, that changes things a little bit because there are some other names that if you just think about them from a coaching standpoint, they were overrated. Guys like Dennis Erickson, who won two championships at Miami, but that was in his first three seasons, meaning they weren't his players. Then he went to Arizona State where everybody thought he was going to be fantastic, and he was 31-31. and 31. So, How I mean, many years ago was like Dennis that. Erickson? It's been a long time. I mean, certainly. that's like 30 years ago. I guess the newest one would probably be Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss would be a great example. Charlie Weiss loses the Bush push game, and Notre Dame gives him like $50 million. They're like, this is the greatest loss in the history. That's a great one. This is the greatest loss in the history of college football. Here, just take our money. It was amazing how you almost beat USC. That is, we're going to pay you every dollar that you need for the rest of your life. I mean, I think Notre Dame just finished paying off Charlie Weiss in like the last year. Charlie Weiss may be up there. Charlie Mike Weiss may be even worse. That's a good that's a good argument for a more overrated coach than Jim Harbaugh because Charlie Weiss never did anything other than almost win the Bush push game. That was literally his entire resume. Uh maybe that's maybe that's the argument. Uh let's take your calls. Uh let's go to uh well actually let's go to Eddie first and then we'll take your calls on the flip side. Loaded lines 877-996-6369. Eddie Garcia, can you think of a more overrated coach? Uh, no, but I thought Charlie Weiss was a great pull. But by uh, Char- Charlie by Weiss is a very that, good. That pull. was that was outstanding. 
Uh, let's check in on Week 7 in the NFL. Sunday night, rematch of the Super Bowl. No big comeback needed for the Patriots in this one. They were in control throughout. They ended up beating the Falcons 23-7. Tom Brady had two touchdown passes in the first half. New England's 5-2 and two now on the season. In the late games, the Chargers shut out the Broncos 21-0. Denver shut out in the game for the first time since 1992. Cowboys over the 49ers 40-10. Ezekiel Elliott had 219 yards rushing, three scores for Dallas. San Francisco drops to 0-7. Steelers beat the Bengals 29-14. Pittsburgh's 5-2. Ben Roethlisberger had a couple of TD passes in that win. Seahawks over the Giants 24-7. Russell Wilson, three touchdown passes all in the second half for Seattle as New York drops to 1-6. In early action, Saints won their fourth in a row, beating the Packers on the road 26-17. Green Bay quarterback Brett Hundley starting for the injured Aaron Rodgers had no touchdown passes and one interception. He did have a touchdown run. Bears over the Panthers 17-3. Chicago rookie safety Eddie Jackson had a 75-yard fumble return for a touchdown and a 76-yard interception return for a score. Rams are 5-2 after shutting out the Cardinals 33-0. Arizona also lost quarterback Carson Palmer to a broken arm. He's out a minimum eight weeks. Bills get by the Buccaneers 30-27 on a late field goal. It was the Vikings improving to 5-2 with a 24-16 win over the Ravens. The Dolphins get by the Jets 31-28 by backup quarterback Matt Moore, who had two late touchdown passes. Jay Cutler was knocked out of the game with a chest injury. Overtime for the Titans to beat the Browns 12-9 in a battle of field goals. Cleveland's 0-7, and the Jaguars shut out the Colts in Indy 27-0. This report's brought to you by TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, I know we're not going to talk any NBA, but there was a coach fired after three games into the season. The Phoenix Suns said goodbye to Earl Watson, and Jay Triano has been named interim head coach. He was the head coach of the Raptors for a couple of seasons. If I talk NBA regular season in the middle of football, I should be shot in the head. I, I the did it so gun. you didn't have to. I should you're, be shot in the head with a nail gun. Yeah. Any people out there, like I don't understand this. Like, oh, I'm going to talk about the NBA. Like, there are other people out there who have national shows. Like, oh, we're going to talk about the NBA. Week uh, game three of the NBA season. Like, college football and the NFL are both off and rolling, unless there is the most insane story in the history of the NBA. I can't even conceive of what it would be to talk about the NBA on a Monday after college football in the NFL. Some people are going to do it. I call those people idiots. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. Don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and an executive razor, all for just five bucks. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. All right, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh, who I think is the most overrated coach. Maybe Charlie Weiss. Maybe Charlie Weiss is up there. But did people really, like, I guess the question would be, did anybody ever really think Charlie Weiss was going to win national championships? Because the way that that Jim Harbaugh has been covered is as if he is the equivalent of Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. And his results are much more in line with a mediocre coach than they are with Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban. I don't know that the expectations ever were that high for Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame. Did people think, oh, Charlie Weiss is going to contend to be the greatest coach in college football? Or did they just drastically overreact because Notre Dame typically is so desperate for relevance that almost beating USC was like, oh, we're back. We're back to being totally relevant. Uh, maybe that's the answer. I'm not sure. Uh, who should we go to first, uh, Jason Martin? Uh, Jose in Fremont. Jose in Fremont, California. What's up, Jose? 
Play with Franklin. Hey, man, I want to go ahead and uh, say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say John Greig, man, after he left my Raiders and went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl with Dungy's team, he never did anything. And then when he had his quarterback camp, this guy had like six quarterbacks when he was in Tampa and couldn't do anything. So I'm not, I think he's way overrated, even as a Raider fan, I'm saying that. But he's been out of football for a decade, and that and maybe maybe the overrated if he comes back into college football. There's no doubt that he would be insanely famous. Uh, it's it's an interesting call. I mean that that he would be overrated. I I mean he got fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even after he won a Super Bowl with them. So I, I I don't know. When I look at that, I'm like, if you got fired, I don't know that you can be that overrated. To me, overrated is a guy who you you sit around and you think like a lot of people I think are their eyes are opening right now about Jim Harbaugh. They're like, man, we have spent a lot of time talking about how awesome Jim Harbaugh is and how unbelievable the job he is that he's done, and he went. Came in third in the Big Ten East in year one. He came in and tied for third, not even not even third by himself. Tied for third in year two. And this year, to his credit, he may go ahead and lock down fourth in the Big Ten East by himself. People are like, oh, well, you got to give him four or five years to get Michigan back to running. Really? If Michigan was in that rough of shape, how did he win in year one and year two? When you're worse in year three than you were in year one or year two, that's a sign that things are not going well. By year three, Jim Harbaugh should be contending for a national championship. Instead, he's going to finish fourth in the Big Ten East. What about Nick Saban quick- and Urban Meyer won national championships at Alabama and Ohio State in year three, and Urban Meyer won a national championship in year. I'm sorry, yeah, Urban Meyer won a national championship in year two at Florida. Who was hopping in there? That was me. I was just going to suggest about Gruden. I'm not sure that he was overrated when he was coaching. I mean, he was a name and he was a star in that regard. I think he might be overrated now as to what people think that he could do right now. Like the people that believe he could walk into Tennessee and be a savior, I believe the exact opposite, no, quite I frankly. Think he would, I think he would walk into Tennessee and be a savior. Boy, I don't. Not at all. Uh, I think he would win at an insanely high level. I mean, the X's and O's side Based of the on ball, what? Based on the fact that he is, first of all, you think that Butch Jones is an offensive genius? Uh, no, but I've never said that. No, right. But so... John Gruden is an offensive genius in terms of his ability to break down film, in terms of his ability to set up offensive success, and that would be even more present in college football. So I think just from a pure like schematic uh, advantage, there would be a tremendous schematic advantage for Tennessee in college football relative to other places or anywhere else that John Gruden went. Secondly, he would get the best recruits imaginable just based on his celebrity status. People out there don't understand how much recruiting is cachet. Big college football programs recruit themselves. The example I like to give is people are like, oh, Nick Saban's an incredible recruiter. Nick Saban has a flip phone. Nick Saban is not sitting around texting recruits all day long every day. He is a closer. People know that if they come to play at Alabama, they are going to get to advance to the highest possible level of football in college, and that he also is putting them in the best possible position to get drafted into the NFL. Nick Saban is not sitting sitting around tweeting recruits, you up, smiley face emoticon, all sorts of crap all day long. The coaches who have to do that are the ones without success. John Gruden would walk into every room in America for the final home visit and he would seal the deal. Be the most famous college football coach ever. People talk about recruiting as if it's like some really difficult proposition. If you have a great job, 
with solid fan support, great football stadium, solid facilities, most of your recruiting job is already done. Derek Dooley got top 15 classes at Tennessee. Butch Jones has gotten two top five coaches and top 15 classes at Tennessee. Top programs recruit themselves. The coach is what takes a number 10 overall class and turns it into a number one overall class. Nobody out there, Southern Miss, is not suddenly going to have a top five recruiting class because they have an amazing head recruiting coach. So I think Gruden would come in and be dominant. Um, let's go to West Coast Mike. Hey, man, I think you're you're wrong. First of all, hell of a stat, like incredible stats, and you're kind of right, but I think Jim Harbaugh is an elite coach, and I I'm, I smoked a lot of weed, but I was wondering how you feel about, like, uh, Pete Carroll, because, like, what, what would Pete Carroll look like in college? I don't watch college football, but what would Pete Carroll look like in college football today? Because um, that's basically be... the same as Jim Harbaugh, don't you Are think? Are you high right now? Yeah, like a lot, yeah. like pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty high. Um, so what's your favorite food to eat when Carroll, you're high? Though. Well, we know what Pete Carroll would do. He would be insanely Watch dominant. It. You in remember college? Matt Liner, look, what, what, Reggie what Bush? Harbaugh in the NFL right? Dude, Harbaugh in the NFL right now on any team, what do you think? Like, what if he went to, you know what I'm saying, what do you think about that? If I yeah, thanks for the call. Thanks for smoking up. Hopefully, it makes the show better. Here is early in the morning too, uh, or late at night, I guess, depending on where you are. Uh, I think if if Jim Harbaugh had the opportunity, I think that he would do better with the Colts than he's going to do with the with the Wolverines with Michigan, because you know you have an established quarterback in Andrew Luck. Chuck Pagano is going to get fired. To me, that's a move that Jim Harbaugh could make and he would win at a high level. Because in the NFL, all that matters is your quarterback. And I think ultimately, whenever Andrew Luck gets healthy again, assuming that his arm is going to be okay, that he will win a Super Bowl at Indianapolis. And there will be a coach who is with him that he wins the Super Bowl for. And so I can see Jim Harbaugh right now being in Ann Arbor, looking around, saying, man, I came in here like I was going to be Urban Meyer or Nick Saban. That's what the fan expectation was. Michigan is paying me as if I am on their level in terms of results. And in the last 11 games, I've lost almost as many games as Jim Harbaugh has in his coaching career at Ohio State. In his last 11 games, Jim Harbaugh has lost as many games as Urban Meyer did in the last four seasons. Nick Saban, Jason Martin, look up how many how many years back do you have to go for Nick Saban to have five losses? And that's even counting him playing in the playoff where the losses are actually happening as opposed to going to some crappy bowl game and being able to win those. How many years? Is it four years for Nick Saban since he's lost five games? When you pull you up total? Nick's, yes. Okay, uh, 2013 it would have been because he's lost four since 2014, two and 14, one each in 15 and 16. So four years it has taken Urban Meyer and Nick Saban to lose the same amount of games as Jim Harbaugh has in the last 11. That, to me, is an unbelievable statistic. We continue to take your calls, 877-996-6369, 877-996-6369. We'll react to you. My argument, Jim Harbaugh, most overrated coach in modern history, modern history meaning the last 25 years, with what he has done at Michigan so far relative to what he's being paid to do 
no comparison between him and Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, yet he's being paid and talked about as if he is their equivalent. No hope at all. The guy wears khaki pants. He takes his program overseas to Italy for football camp. Oh, look, satellite camps. Oh, look, he's playing football shirtless with his Michigan baseball cap on. Oh, look, he's going to jump into the pool with a recruit. Oh, he's spending the night with a recruit. All this attention for Jim Harbaugh to be the fourth best coach in the Big Ten East. The guy so far at Michigan has been a total sham. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage, 877-996-6369. Unlike Harbaugh, we deliver. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. When it's time to change your oil, head to AutoZone. They have everything you need to do the job right. Protect your engine. Get to AutoZone today. Jason Martin, you're arguing that John Gruden isn't even a good NFL coach? Not really. I think he's average. I think he's wildly, no, wildly overrated. Ask Robert about his offensive stats in Tampa Bay. You called him an offensive genius. He was anything but for seven had, years in Tampa Bay. He was not that good at football. He's coach coached at all. eleven years in the in the NFL. Five of those years, he won his division and he won a Super Bowl. That's pretty ridiculous. And he's got a fifty-four percent winning percentage, which is in the NFL, it's hard to be anything over five hundred if you coach for very long at all. So 54% winning percentage, five of the 11 years that he coached in the NFL, he won his division, coming in first in the AFC West twice and first in the NFC South three times in his seven years with the uh, Bucks, and he won a Super Bowl. That's pretty impressive to me. Almost half of the times that you coach in the NFL, you win your division. There's not very many guys out there that you can point to that have managed to do that. I mean, look, look. I mean, look at his numbers. He was eight and eight and eight and eight in his first two years in Oakland. Then he had the twelve and four and the ten and six, and then the twelve and four in his first year when he won the Super Bowl with Dungy's team. Then he goes seven Hold and on. nine. He was five coaching and against his other team. He switched. yeah, he was coaching against his other team, coached by Bill Callahan. Okay, but so another he built the Raiders name. to the point where they were good enough to make the Super Bowl, and then he went to another team and took them to the Super Bowl, too, to coach against his previous team that he had built up to being Super Bowl caliber. So that is a pretty good run. And then he won two more NFC South titles, and then he got fired after finishing. The NFC South was bad, first of all, at that point in time, really bad. But you're talking about 7-9, and 5-11. Five and eleven. He did have an eleven and five in there. Then he was four and twelve, and then two back to back nine and seven seasons. I mean, this is not some savant in coaching. And again, his numbers and Robert put these up, and I think they're worth mentioning. His offensive yards for Tampa Bay under Gruden. His stats in his rankings were twenty fourth, tenth, twenty second, twenty third, twenty ninth, eighteenth, and fourteenth. The point is whether you have, who are his quarterbacks. The NFL is a quarterback well, league. Well, yeah, well, so is, I mean, the same thing you can say about Harbaugh not being able to win because he didn't have the quarterback either. It's like you've yeah, still got to be able to get but the quarterback. Your, no, no. It's your fault in college football if you don't have a quarterback because you can go out and theoretically recruit all the best quarterbacks. If you, That's my argument for why Gruden would be incredible. You literally Every, called him an offensive savant in the Every last single, segment. Clay. He is an offensive savant. Based on what? Based on the fact that he is a genius at – Breaking down just the because quarterback he's a name, position. Just because he's a name and you get stars in your eyes doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden be the greatest thing since sliced bread. The reason you, why he's so on, good on TV is because you he think have to that coach the guy, You think that the guy who for the last eight years has had one of the highest rated segments in what the history of ESPN. 
it means that he's going to recruit. If he decided he wanted to coach college football, he would get the best quarterbacks to commit to the University of Tennessee or any other place that he went. He would get them to commit almost instantaneously. Every kid, every kid, whatever, whoever you wanted, every kid. You said Butch Jones had two two top five classes, and you're right about that. How much better is John Gruden's class going to be than top five? All that Think matters about that. I mean, is you're your still going to want to play for Saban or Dabo. It's like, you don't, you don't, I would play for Dabo over John Gruden in a heartbeat. I would play for Saban over John Gruden in a heartbeat. You're an idiot. Because of what? Because I don't want to play for a celebrity you, what, or a Kardashian. Has, I want to no, play no. for somebody that's actually what won on Nick the college Saban level and give me done, the NFL. What has Nick Saban ever done to make a quarterback great? Nick Saban, the, the, the credit what does that have to, to Nick Saban. Because if you're going to be great at the quarterback position, Nick Saban has won because he's a great defensive mind. His coaching from a quarterback perspective, who has he developed and turned into a good quarterback that's had success beyond his college level ever? He's never had a quarterback. A.J. McCarron is the most successful quarterback that Nick Saban has ever had, and the guy's barely started a game in the NFL. Jamarcus Russell is the highest-rated draft pick that Nick Saban has ever signed. Well, and Jamarcus Russell never played made? for him. John Gruden, for every single recruit out there who has sat around and watched quarterback camp, he would be able to go out. He would break down film. He's a quarterback guy. He would break down the film of high school kids. He would sign four- and five-star guys who were actually good every year. And he would bring in multiple guys, and they would all fall all over themselves to come play for John Gruden just based on the quarterback camp, just based on the last eight or nine years of that film study. He would be able to get all the best quarterbacks come in. And again, that's the guy who everybody's going to want to play for. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it. I don't know if he's going to go coach the worst college football. Of his life. Why would it be a bad mistake? I mean, unless you're just talking about it from a money standpoint, because he's not going to win. That's he's the not, stupidest he's argument. He's not going to win. This is, this is the dumbest argument you've ever made. Look who's the coaches Based right now what? in the SEC East. You don't think he can beat Mark Stoops? You don't think he can beat Derek Mason? You don't think he can beat Barry Odom? Who cares you if he wins he the East? The whole, look, how many people have lost jobs in the East because they couldn't beat Nick Saban when it came down to it? Or how many have left or had personal reasons more, or whatever and left that job? That it's John not about Gruden, the East. It's about the West. You don't think John Gruden is the equivalent? He has a better winning percentage in the NFL than Nick Saban. I don't care about the NFL record of Nick Saban because Nick Saban already had a proven track record on the college level. What he did in the NFL, he you shouldn't don't have gone to the NFL. Gruden, he was not an NFL head you don't coach. Think just that like, I think John, John Gruden's Gruden an NFL mind, not a college mind. Against, this is, it's a bad argument. There, I don't believe in you college minds You can say it's a bad argument, but NFL, you make no evidence NFL to actually mind. back that up. He's an when, NFL guy. He's not a college guy. You the could have said the same thing about Pete Carroll. What it takes to recruit and all that is totally you, different. You would, if, if Pete Carroll, when Pete Carroll got signed by USC, you would have said, this is an NFL guy. This guy has no business whatsoever being in college. If you look at Pete Carroll, to me, John Gruden is a clone of Pete Carroll. He's a guy who comes into college football wow. with incredible energy, right? You look at Pete Carroll, everybody's like, oh, that guy's a fraud. That guy's got, you know, the way he hops around, the optimism, the way he coaches. John Gruden is like that. They're almost identical age at the time that they would be entering the NFL. I think John Gruden would be dominant. Not sure he's going to do it, but this is a ludicrous argument to argue that John Gruden wouldn't be able to coach college football. 877-996-6369. He's an offensive savant. He's a genius. He's a modern-day Michelangelo brought to the football gridiron. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. 
Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Weekend that was in college football and in the NFL. Going to run through the big stories as best I can here for you in the NFL. By the way, Petros Papadakis joining us at 15 minutes uh, after. Rams and Vikings, 5-2. and two. Which of those division-leading 5-2 and two teams is most surprising? Interesting debate there. I think you have to say the Rams, given the fact that the Vikings started off the season pretty hot last year before collapsing. Meanwhile, the Patriots, Kansas City, and uh, the Steelers, all three, five and two. We wait to see what's going to happen tonight with the five and one Eagles as they take on the Washington Redskins. The Patriots may well have broken the Falcons last night. The Falcons now have lost three in a row. The Patriots' defense steps up. They win going away 24 to seven. The Patriots now four and two. The Falcons three and three. The Super Bowl rematch in the fog there last night in Foxborough. We'll see what transpires from here, but it appears that the Falcons may well have a Super Bowl hangover, the likes of which we have seen many times before. And speaking of Super Bowl hangovers, what's up with Cam Newton? The Panthers have fallen to four and three. Is Cam even any good? I don't know. Week to week, Cam Newton may be the most erratic football player who has a high profile in the NFL. They lose 17-3 to to the Bears, even though Mitch Trubisky only attempts seven passes. Much to discuss in college football as well. My argument, Jim Harbaugh, the most overrated coach in the modern era. He's now 6-5 and five in his last 11 games, same record as Butch Jones. He's 25-8 and eight overall at Michigan, which is the same exact record as Brady Hoke. Urban Meyer has lost just seven games in six years at Ohio State. Urban Meyer uh, is 2-0 is against Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh 1-4 against the big rivals of Michigan State and Ohio State. In fact, in the last four years, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer have bought, both lost five football games in the last four years. That's the same amount as Jim Harbaugh has la- lost in his last 11 games Huge win for Penn State. They now play at Ohio State on Saturday for what I believe is a Big Ten title match. Notre Dame destroys USC. Are Clay Helton and T. Martin, the head coach and offensive coordinator of USC, in over their heads? It certainly looked like it. Brian Kelly's Notre Dame team could make a run at 11-1 and and get into the playoff. Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, both blown out by uh, Auburn and Alabama, respectively. Brett Bielema, Butch Jones both need to be fired. We'll toss in Mike Riley at Nebraska and say that each of those schools has got a major decision to make. Those are the big takeaways. My argument for Tennessee, I think in terms of ceilings and floors, ceiling is, is a guy by the name of John Gruden. Jason Martin believes John Gruden is horribly overrated and will stink as a coach. Little stat for you, Jason Martin. Is Pete Carroll overrated? He's also won in 11 years as an NFL coach, his division five times, and one Super Bowl title. I believe the best analogy for John Gruden, if he decided to coach in college, is Pete Carroll. I think he would come in at Tennessee and do what Pete Carroll did at USC, win at an incredibly high level, coach youthfully even younger than he already is. Uh, the record for 
Pete Carroll was much less accomplished when he went to USC the first time than uh, when he went to USC and came out of the NFL the first time than it was when he went back. Who should they hire? John Gruden, is he in the mix? Is he willing to do it? I don't know. Maybe he wants to be Monday Night Football guy for the rest of his life. Maybe he wants to be John Madden, never go back to coaching again after winning one Super Bowl title, never go back to the NFL, never go back to college football. Maybe that's the answer. If John Gruden's not going to go, I think you go offer the same amount of money to James Franklin, at least make Penn State, make him a 9 or $10 million a year guy. He's only got a $2 million buyout. I think that James Franklin is going to win multiple national championships if he coaches for the next decade somewhere. That's, why, that's how good I think James Franklin is. I think he's one of the top two or three coaches now in college football if you factor in his age. Not necessarily compared to Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, who are on a different level. But if you factor in his age, James Franklin is still a really young guy. You know he's going to be coaching for the next decade. I think if you factor in his age, at some point Nick Saban is going to hang up the whistle. I don't think he's going to coach till he's 80 years old at Alabama. Maybe he will, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also don't know how long Urban Meyer will be at Ohio State. Certainly Dabo's a young guy. He's got to be one of your top choices. Jimbo Fisher, even though this year is down, We'll see. My argument, Jim Harbaugh, incredibly overrated. Arkansas. If I were Arkansas, I'd look at Lane Kiffin. Given how successful Lane Kiffin has already been at FAU, you telling me that USC people wouldn't rather have Lane Kiffin coaching this Sam Darnold-helmed quarterback uh, team? I think there's no doubt at all that that would be uh, a choice that would be ideal. Uh, let's bring in the crew. Uh, your big takeaways from the NFL and college football. Jason Martin, I'll start with you. Uh, like I said uh, earlier in the show, the one thing for the NFL was that it was just a terrible Sunday of football that was not fun at all to watch. Seven the teams did not out. score touchdowns. Yeah, seven teams didn't score touchdowns. There were three shutouts. A, f- a fourth team had only scored a field goal in the game. The point differentials yesterday for 10 of the 13 played games, 8, 9, 14, 15, 16, 17, 21, 27, 30, and 33. Included in that 14 Mitch Trubisky's team wins 17-3 to over Cam Newton, who you mentioned is one of your three takeaways from the NFL, being enigmatic, enigmatic and hard to quantify at this stage. Trubisky, 4 of 7 yesterday throwing the football. Two defensive touchdowns won that game, both of them from Eddie Jackson. Just the idea of how putrid the games were yesterday is the real takeaway from the NFL. That was the first day in a long time where I really, by about 5 o'clock, was about done with the National Football League. What about you guys in L.A.? Well, I'll stick close to home here. How about the L.A. Chargers winning their third game in a row all of a sudden? Uh, Pretty impressive there by beating the Broncos. And then uh, I think we got to start looking at the Vikings. We talked about Case Keenum on the show, what was it, two weeks ago, Clay? And we were talking about how his play was a little bit up and down. He obviously was a stud in college. He was on a bad Rams team. Now as the backup and, and, well, the starter in place of Bradford, in Minnesota, the Vikings are looking really good. Latavius Murray, former Raider, finally getting some touches there. He had a TD in over 100 yards yesterday, so suddenly the Vikings are 5-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at those 5-2 and two teams, there are two in the NFC, and again, the Eagles have a chance to go to 6-1, and one, or if they lose to the Redskins tonight, they'll fall to 5-2. and two. But the two best in the NFC right now, Rams-Vikings. I mean, if we were doing the playoff picture right now, if we were like we're almost halfway through, but in the playoff picture right now, it kind of puts into perspective how wild the NFC is right now. That 
the uh, Eagles would be obviously the overall number one seed. But then the two best next teams are the, are the Vikings and the Rams. And if the Eagles lose, then there'll be three teams at the top tied at five and two. And in the AFC, you got three five and two teams. Uh, right now, if the season were ending today, the Steelers would have overall home field advantage, despite the fact that they have lost, managed to lose to two pretty bad teams. I mean, the Jags, maybe that's not an awful loss. And Roethlisberger obviously played poorly there. Bears, pretty bad loss at home. But even with those losses, the Steelers would be the number one overall seed. The Kansas City Chiefs would be the number two overall seed. And then New England would be the three. The Titans, ridiculously, would be the four hosting a home field playoff game. And then Buffalo and Miami would round out the AFC. In the NFC, again, you'd have the Eagles. We'll see what happens to them tonight uh, against the Redskins. Can they basically, frankly, lock up the NFC East? They're close to being able to do that. The Minnesota Vikings, the Rams, then the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Redskins would be right now, those would be your 12 NFL playoff teams. Um, Circling back around, let's talk about these three big jobs to me in college football that I think are going to be open. Who would you hire? I like to always think about ceilings and floors. I gave you my ceiling for Tennessee. I think it's a guy like John Gruden. Jason Martin thinks he'll be awful, thinks it would be a disaster, thinks he'll have no success. I disagree completely, think he would win at a high level. Floor for me at Tennessee, I think it's Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen has been to eight straight bowl games at Mississippi State, which is the worst job, I believe, in the entire SEC. I think Mississippi State is the worst job. I think it's worse than Vanderbilt, and I think it's worse than Kentucky because you're in Mississippi, and you've already got – you're already playing second fiddle to Ole Miss. And also, Starkville is a tough place to recruit to compared to Lexington, Kentucky, and compared to Nashville, where Vanderbilt is. Also, you got a great school to sell with Vanderbilt. you got basketball and everything else with Kentucky. I think it's the worst job in the SEC. So the success that Dan Mullen has had, you can make an argument that he's the second-best coach in the SEC. I think that's the floor for Tennessee. For Arkansas, I don't really know. I don't know. Do they go after Matt Campbell, the hotshot young coach at Iowa State, try to bring him in? To me, the best hire that Arkansas could make is Lane Kiffin. He's rolling at FAU right now. He'd play an exciting brand of football. He'd bring some swagger to Arkansas. He's a great recruiter in terms of having to do it nationwide because he's already done it at USC and done it at Tennessee to a certain extent. I think Lane Kiffin to Arkansas would be a home run hire for the Razorbacks. I love that hire. What do you guys think about Lane Kiffin to Arkansas? I wouldn't be against that. I think Lane Kiffin has done a really nice job so far at FAU. Interesting game this Saturday against a WKU team. It's been pretty disappointing, but it'll be an offensive game, or it should be. But Lane Kiffin, that would be an interesting place because he's not following somebody that's won at a high level. He's not coming in necessarily with the level of expectations that he would have when he was at USC or in a bigger job. That is an important job, especially a you know a real diehard fan base there, but at the same time, I feel like Lane Kiffin could walk in and actually be given a little bit of time, and I do think that he has talent. Lane Kiffin has followed so far in his coaching career at the big jobs. He followed Phil Fulmer, who won 75% of his games and a national championship at Tennessee, and then he followed Pete Carroll, who obviously won multiple titles at USC and was successful beyond all reasonable expectation at Southern Cal. So going in after Brett Bielma would be a breath of fresh air, a little bit like what he's got at FAU now, where he took over a guy who went three and nine the year before. It's possible Arkansas is going to go four and eight, something like that this year. And again, they're going to have to fire uh, him there. Nebraska. Who should Nebraska hire? Man, I, I think that gets complicated because unlike 
Tennessee, certainly. Nebraska is a faded program that doesn't have any kind of recruiting base. They joined the Big Ten and they made a lot of money, but they don't have any kind of reliable recruiting base. To me, that means you need to find somebody who's going to get you a schematic advantage. And maybe the answer is Scott Frost. Scott Frost has been incredibly successful at Oregon. He's gotten to Central Florida and won at a really high level down there and has them playing a really exciting offensive brand of football. To me, that's a natural fit for Nebraska. Now, is he willing to go back there? I don't know. He's a native son. He's a uh, chosen uh, chosen uh, you know, savior there. Maybe that pressure is too much. Maybe he wants to go elsewhere. Three faded programs for sure. All right. We are going to go to my guy Petros Papadakis. He's out in L.A. He's waking up early for us. We'll get to him, and he will help break down the overall uh, landscape. But should we go to calls? we got a bunch of calls. Do we have time to get to some of these? Let's get to some of these, actually. Tyler and Raleigh. Tyler, Tyler, what's up? Hey, Clay. Good morning, brother. Um, love the show, man. I uh, had to call and weigh in this morning. First of all, um, my fiance wanted me to lay it out that 60 bucks is the top that we go for an Alabama zombie. Um, wanted to throw that out there first. Yes. Uh, secondly, um, being partly from, I was born and raised in Raleigh, uh, my dad's entire side of the family, Michigan, Michigan State alum. Couldn't agree with you more about Harbaugh. It's time for him to go. Um, I don't know about time to, to go, but to... I just think that he is not what, well, uh, like, if he wants to be the most successful that he can be, I think it's the, the Colts is where he should go, right? I, I think that it's more likely that he's going to win a Super Bowl with the Colts with Andrew Luck than it is that he's going to win a national title with Michigan based on what I'm seeing from Michigan right now. Absolutely love it, man. I couldn't agree more. That's It, it just would be a better fit. And, you know, and I like the, uh, the Gruden argument as well. Um, you know, I, I see him pulling in just high-star high recruits excuse me, um, at the quarterback position that, you know, can only bring you better players, um, you know, to surround him. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on uh, on tonight's Eagles game, and I wanted to ask you about, uh, since we're talking about replacing college coaches, what you thought about um, Fedora, his job, and maybe Elaine Kiffin ends up at a Carolina. Yeah, you know what? That's a lot of questions. Um, I, I do like um, tonight. I think that it's a uh, a solid play to take the Eagles. Lane Kiffin to UNC actually has a lot of interest too. I mean, already the ACC has got a lot of great coaches. I mean, I think that would be an intriguing play. I think it's tough to fire Larry Fedora after one bad year, but they've certainly fallen off the re- reservation there in uh, in North Carolina. All right. People who are with us now, stay on the line. I'll come back to you, but i got to get my guy Petros Papadakis. I'll hit you at the bottom of the next segment, 877-996-6369. Got calls all over the country. You guys hang with us. We'll get to you uh, after we get to Petros Papadakis, but i got to hit him next out in L.A., talk about this USC situation as well as the Dodgers in the World Series. But first, got to tell you, you didn't do it, did you? Your wife had a huge list of things that she wanted you to take care of, and instead your lazy ass sat and watched football on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're going to watch the Eagles and the Redskins tonight. It's going to be five straight days. She said, all I need is a new mattress. What did you do? You didn't go shopping with her. You didn't go out, lay down on those mattresses, see whether or not they were comfortable. Ain't no new mattress coming to your house. That old crappy mattress that you've had for so long is already there, and it ain't moving. 
Now is the time to get a new mattress. All you have to do is go to Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com. Go to Casper.com. You will be hooked up right now, especially if you use the code CLAY. Put in the code CLAY. You get $75 off. They bring that mattress right to your house. You can try it for 100 days. There's no risk. Your wife will be pleased, so pleased that she'll probably even sleep with you on that brand-new mattress. Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com. You can surprise her. You didn't take care of the honey-do list. You didn't go get her a new mattress. She's been asking for one for a long time. Stop being a cheap ass. Get one today. Go to Casper.com, just like the ghost, C-A-S-P-E-R.com. $75 off if you use the code CLAY. It'll arrive at your house. You can try it for 100 days. There's no risk. Get hooked up now. Make your wife or girlfriend happy. Get a new mattress today by going to Casper.com, using that code CLAY, 75 bucks off. Guess who's hooking you up? This guy, getting you in good graces with the wife or girlfriend, just in time for Halloween with a brand-new mattress named after a ghost, Casper.com. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you could find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in my guy, Petros Papadakis, host of the popular afternoon show, Petros and Money on 570 AM in L.A., Petros, what happened to USC? And we talked about the rivalry game between SC and Notre Dame, how much it mattered, old Hollywood against the Midwest and the beautiful changing leaves of autumn, and it was never even remotely close. Is this an indictment of Clay Helton and T. Martin? What's the story right now at SC? Can you hear me? Yes. Cool. If my phone cuts off, I'll call on my cell phone. Cox Cable has been raising hell in my life. That being said, Clay, this is an unbelievable indictment on the on the coaching. I told you these coaches are, are out of place at this school, in this conference, and it does totally seem like that. But this is a whole other issue. I mean, Chris Hawkins, the safety, said after the game, we weren't ready they attacked us, and I described a lot of the circumstances of this game to you last week. you got to be ready in this game. How are you not ready for USC-Notre Dame? What part of South Bend, Indiana, USC versus Notre Dame, Anthony Davis, Tony Rice, Stonebreaker, Scott Ross, were you not aware of? And uh, that that was what really caught me off guard. And the rushing yards were even worse than the score. Notre Dame had like 377 to USC 76, and that tells the tale. USC just didn't want to play. They got completely and totally beaten by a Notre Dame team that's not even that physically superior to Notre Dame teams of the past. They don't look as freakish as they have. I mean, Texas looks freakish compared to Notre Dame, and Texas isn't even having that good of a year. It's an amazing circumstance that they lost the game in that fashion, and the coaches completely and totally didn't take any blame. They deflected. They just sat there and said, well, that's a sad locker room. Aw, shucks. Aw, shucks. The players were the only ones that had accountability afterwards and told the truth. It's a, it's kind of a sad sack situation at USC. Six and two feels a lot more like, a, I don't know, four and four. And, I mean, it could very easily be 4-4 four and four because, honestly, they've played eight Absolutely. straight weeks. Absolutely. They, they got lucky looked... against Texas. Yep. They, they, got, they got lucky uh, against Cal, 
who gave up like four turnovers in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, and they were against Utah. It. Yeah, not to mention Utah. The guy was wide ass open. And so, uh, Troy Williams just didn't see him. It was the right play call. I just saw Utah last week get their ass completely kicked by Arizona State. And by the way, Arizona State is waiting in the cacti right now for USC with three great tackling they, linebackers. I think they actually beat USC this weekend down in, in the cacti, as you said. I mean, is and, and, and you kind of hit on it. Clay Helton and T. Martin in particular seem like they're in over their head. Is that a fair approximation from somebody watching from afar? Absolutely. I mean, that's how it seemed last year when things started out so poorly before Sam Darnold took over and Clay Helton started reading off of cards when he talked to the media. You know, he won't answer any any honest question about the team's performance has been taken as an affront in the last few weeks because they were 6 and 1 and they could lean on that. But they can't lean on that anymore. And he's still answering the questions in the same way. They, they actually tried to say that they're improving every week. And I think that's the issue. You don't have guys that are improving. You have a lot of really good players, and they're not getting better. There doesn't seem to be a lot of discipline. Nobody's getting their ass chewed on the sideline when the team's on roller skates against Notre Dame and there's giant gaping holes. Tailback's got 200 yards. Adams had a great performance. I mean, what can you say? It's a... It's a bad situation, and you have to think back to why Pat Hayden was allowed to hire uh, another head coach after everybody knew he was going to be fired or forced to step down after there was a controversy about a charity he was running in the L.A. Times. If USC could hire Chip Kelly in the offseason, let's say they go 8-4. and four. I don't think that's a crazy prox- uh, possibility. Is Clay Helton 100% safe he has nothing to worry about, or – is that something where you would have to look at that if you're SC? I mean, I think you have to look at all options. The more, I think, feasible part of this is that Lynn Swan would probably use this situation to make Clay Helton fire assistants. You know, Clay Helton hired his brother and his father's best friend when he got the job. And that's not exactly like going out and finding Tom Herman like Urban Meyer did to coordinate your offense, kind of sight unseen when he got the job at Ohio State. So I think that's more feasible. Lynn Swan would force some uh, some assistant changes. All right, let's leave aside the disaster that is USC football in the wake of Notre Dame. Let's move to the positive terrain because I know that you are a man who only sees the bright, sun- sunny side of life. That's right. So, yes. And so the Dodgers tomorrow – World Series game in Chavez Ravine. I understand it's like 100 degrees out in L.A. It's going to be uh, baking in the sunshine there. 5 o'clock, 5.09, I think, Pacific time opening pitch. When you talk about the Dodgers being in the World Series for the first time since 1988 against the Astros, against anybody, what does it mean for L.A.? Well, it's the biggest deal that's happened here. It might be the biggest sports story, at least, that we've had in the moment. You never know what's going to happen in the actual series. But right now, Dodger fever wouldn't begin to describe it. Uh, people are having honest conversations about Corey Seager's back, <laughs> you know, uh, different stuff like that. But it's a hell of an exciting time. There's a fan base in this city for the Dodgers that there there is not – for any other team, including the Lakers, which are a gigantic deal. But we're talking about the most visited sporting event on earth when you're talking about Dodger baseball. And uh, that's not disputed. So each and every year, 
so many people gravitate toward this team, and they have, even though they haven't been to the World Series in 29 years. So they got the biggest payroll in the history of baseball. They seem to be pushing all the right buttons and found the right leadership between old and young. And I'll be out there on, on Tuesday with everybody else doing the shows and trying to get everybody all geeked up because it really is a, a cause for celebration in town. I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the World Series. I, I'm barely aware of the Houston Astros, uh, and I knew they were in the American League. <laughs> Which some people still don't because they still think of the Astros as a National League team. What could this mean for Clayton Kershaw's legacy if he gets a win in the World Series after all the talk about him in the postseason? I think it 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 makes him more of the best pitcher ever or best pitcher in you know whatever era you want to talk to. Uh, it makes him the bigger legend, I guess, than than he is. He's a a great player and a willful guy. There's no doubt about it. And everybody was talking about that. What was it? Game five. You know, here's his opportunity. This is a legacy game. And he he pitched well, but the Dodger bats went out there and eclipsed uh, his moment, so to speak. So it, it could it could mean more for his greatness. I mean, if he goes out there and gives up eight runs in the seventh, I think you know what people will be saying again uh, about him. But this year's been a little different for him. He's been able to rely on the bullpen and the other starters. He hasn't had to go on short rest. And I think that's why one of the reasons they're having success, more success than they have in the postseason in the past. Let's circle back around to college football because you call games. What game do you have a game this weekend coming up? In studio, uh, because they're going to send uh, they're going to send uh, the real studio guys out to uh, out to Ohio State. Oh, nice! Yeah, for yeah, Penn State, so, Ohio State, which is a big game that'll be on Fox Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, it's an afternoon my my game crew has the week off, but uh, but I'll be in the studio. Missing, missing seeing you shirtless in my dressing room, like our dressing room. I know it's going to be it's going to be a sad moment for you not to see me topless uh, at the Fox Studios. Okay, so come Jim in, Manila. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I am arguing relative to expectations. Uh, got his ass kicked. Obviously, his team went into Happy Valley, did not come out very happy uh, at all, and he is uh, going to end up, I think, eight and four. Uh, on the season. I think they lose to Wisconsin. I think they lose to uh, to Ohio State to finish off the year. Jim Harbaugh at 8 and 4. I'm arguing as one of the most overrated coaches in modern college football history. Relative to expectations. He came in like he was a conquering emperor, just like Saban when he landed in Tuscaloosa, just like Urban Meyer when he got to Columbus. When you get that kind of reception, the only way you can fulfill expectations is to win championships. I don't even mean a championship. I mean championships plural. Is it fair to say that Jim Harbaugh has underdelivered given expectation now in his third year, given that we know he's not going to contend for the Big Ten title? Well, if you're looking for the, the college football playoff, uh, first of all, we don't know if he's not going to contend. You know, well, they've got two losses in the Big Ten now, so it would be – a pretty big upset, given it's, the fact but that... But you, you've seen crazier things. Okay. And he's he's not completely look. eliminated. I saw what he's done at, at Stanford, and it was amazing. So I can't sit here and tell you the guy can't coach. You know, I can't. You know, what coaches get paid today, you know, that's also relative to how much money that department brings in and the level of interest. And you know these guys, some of these guys like, like Urban Meyer and Saban that you mentioned, and 
Harbaugh for the amount of attention he brings to Michigan football are underpaid. The one thing I would wonder is, you know, it's year three and where's the quarterback? Yeah. You know, that's, that's more of a, I think, an applicable question as to who's overrated or not. I, I, I like him as a coach. He does change the culture of a place almost right away when he arrives. I know that he does other things to bring attention to himself or whatever, or, or his program. Or, I mean, let's just put it like this. He's a very unique guy, and I've enjoyed covering him. I've also not enjoyed covering him on some occasions. But for the most part, I think the guy is a hell of a coach, Clay. I really do. They, they, everybody has years that are down or, or halfway down, and things can turn around quick at the end of a game when there's a bunch of young kids. I know I sound like I'm making excuses, but I, I don't think that Jim Harbaugh deserves to be indicted off, off a few losses. We're talking to Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money, 5.70 a.m. They're getting ready for the Dodgers against the, uh, the uh, Houston Astros. Last question for you. You're a college football guy. You've paid attention to it over the years. Would you have ever believed that Nebraska going on the road would be nearly a touchdown underdog to Purdue and that Tennessee going on the road would be nearly a touchdown underdog to Kentucky? Which of those two programs can get back into the elite level nationwide faster i think tennessee because of the level of talent they have right and you guys a lot like usc out there would have a party every every january or every february as opposed to you know for recruiting day as opposed to in january after you would win a a bowl game or a championship and uh, i saw nebraska this year and top to bottom they're just not that they're not that good uh, they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of the players that you would expect that Nebraska would have to be Nebraska, and obviously they've had struggles at the quarterback position. And Mike Riley doesn't look to be the perfect fit there. They've gone and hired Scott Frost already, in a weird way. So uh, I think Tennessee, but that doesn't mean there's not. It's it's also hard to get a lot of five star guys together and get them going in the right direction if they've had a bad culture. You see what Tom Herman, who's a really good coach as well, is struggling with this year at Texas. It's a, it's not a dissimilar situation. But I think Tennessee, just off talent level, somebody could get those guys going pretty quick. Nebraska's got some building and some identity to build. Outstanding stuff as always, Petros Papadakis. Good luck tomorrow, and uh, good luck to the Dodgers. Yes, thank you, Clay. Have a safe trip. Will do. That's uh, Petros Papadakis. Go follow him on Twitter at Petros and Money. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let's bring in my guy, uh, Eddie Garcia. All right, Clay, let's give you a, a quick score and a quick note from all the action on Sunday from Week 7 of the NFL Sunday night. Rematch of the Super Bowl, all Patriots. They beat the Falcons 23-7. Tom Brady, two first-half touchdown passes. New England improves the 5-2. and two. In the late action, Chargers shut out the Broncos 21-0. Denver gets shut out in the game for the first time since 1992. Cowboys roll over the 49ers 40-10. Ezekiel Elliott had 219 yards rushing, three touchdowns for Dallas. San Francisco's 0-7 with that loss. Steelers are 5-2 and two after beating the Bengals 29 29- 
29-14. It was the Seahawks over the Giants 24-7. Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson had three touchdown passes all in the second half as the Giants dropped to 1-6. In the early game, Saints won their fourth straight, beating the Packers on the road 26-17. Green Bay quarterback Brett Hundley in for the injured Aaron Rodgers had no touchdown passes, an interception, and a touchdown run. Bears over the Panthers 17-3. Chicago rookie safety Eddie Jackson had a 75-yard fumble return for a touchdown and a 76-yard interception return for a score. Rams shut off the Cardinals 33-0. LA's 5-2. Arizona quarterback Carson Palmer suffered a broken arm. He's out a minimum eight weeks. Bills get by the Buccaneers 30-27 on a late field goal. Vikings get six high four-bath field goals and beating the Ravens 24-16. Minnesota's 5-2. Dolphins get Matt Moore off the bench and throw a couple of late touchdowns to beat the Jets 31-28. He was in for the injured Jay Cutler who suffered a chest injury. Overtime for the Titans to get by the Browns, 12-9 in a battle of field goals. Cleveland's 0-7, and the Jaguars shut off the Colts on the road, 27-0. And Clay, you talked about the World Series, which of course starts on Tuesday. One other quick baseball note, the Boston Red Sox have found their next manager. It's Alex Cora. He is currently the bench coach for the World Series-bound Houston Astros. That's the only season of experience he has as far as a coach. Played 14 seasons, but again, Alex Cora, the new manager for the Boston Red Sox. Good deal. Don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and an executive razor. All for just five bucks. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Your calls finish off the show, 877-996-6369. Thanks for hanging with us on a beautiful Monday in October here on Outkick, the cover. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Monday, you can download the entire show if you go to iTunes, search out OutKick. Millions of you doing that. I appreciate all of you for doing that. You can also now listen on Sirius XM Channel 218 and XM Channel 202. All three hours of the show carried there. Uh, Poll question up for you. We got into a debate. Do you believe John Gruden would be a championship winning coach in college? Uh, Thousands of you have voted so far. Just put that up about, uh, what, about 30 minutes ago. And right now, yes, 45%, no, 55%. So, Jason Martin, people are agreeing with you. Should we take calls or should we go to the voicemail line? Let's go to the voicemail line first to make sure we fit that in, and then we can maybe take some calls. Uh, Remember, you can call. What's the number? 800-555-CLAY? 855-500-CLAY. 855-500-CLAY. You can call this voicemail line at any point in time. And, Jason Martin, you have collated some of the best over the weekend. Yeah, and there was actually a variety. I want to give the callers some credit. We didn't get quite as many as usual, but we got a wider variety than usual. It's not just all Tennessee calls. That's good. And the way we finish with this particular montage, maybe the strangest call we've ever gotten, just a total drunk saying a bunch of nonsense for about 20 seconds. So you have that to look forward to. Oh, boy. 855-500-CLAY. Program it in your phone. You can react 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Let's play the music, boys. I'm an Iowa alum, and, you know, I've had enough of this bullshit for this program, and this needle wanted into the line on first down and maybe get a yard and only score 10 points in an overtime game against Northwestern. It's just bullshit. I'm out. Nutty, delusional Tennessee fans. Boo-hoo-hoo. We're Tennessee fans. We deserve better. Yeah, you're right. You deserve better. You've done so much as fans, right? Contribute so much so y'all can say, 
Hey, y'all, we're good at football. Bunch of whiny babies. Try being the Purdue fan the last 10 years. I'd rather watch soccer. Love to know when our boy Conzo Martin preemptively dumped y'all. How's that worked out? About like firing Fulmer. Can't wait for Brady Hoke to get the job. Don't have to worry about him hitting the juice bar. More for the players. Actually, he'll probably put in a cheesesteak bar instead. And Danny G, would it kill you to play some Alan Jackson every now and then? What has killed more people? Trains, bee stings, cops, or watching Cleveland Browns football? Play, while you're watching North Texas play Mount Union, or wherever Lane Kippen's coaching, we all saw Butch Jones filling out his unemployment papers and worker comp forms since he was violated all over the state of Alabama. And Bama fan, you may not be able to chew meat, your political candidates look like the villains in the wrong turn movies, but you all can play some ball. Uh, yeah, I know we're on the fire Butch Jones wagon, wagon, but come on now. We need to fire Brett Bielema so much faster. Come on. This is ridiculous. We need to fire Brett Bielema. We need to get on this wagon. I'm so done with him. As the Arkansas alumni, this is absolutely ridiculous. Clay, so I'm sitting here watching the game. And I jokingly turn to my girlfriend of a year and say, Hey, Brooke, your father reminds me a lot of Butch Jones. Well, now I don't have a girlfriend or a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra to drink because the f- stole it out of the refrigerator on her way out. Give me Gruden or give me a slow and painful death. F- Butch Jones. I'm at a, uh, I guess, a bonfire. I don't really f- know. Just had a four loco spilled on me by myself, kind of. Meeting a chicken bacon ranch sandwich from Panuni's Pizza and Wings. Dogs are getting their ass kicked. Just kidding. This is no Mike Fix situation, Clay. It's about to be Clay. But no, we're not going to let that happen. Clay, this is unbelievable. I can't deal with this. He was at a bonfire. 855-500-CLAY. Call it any day of the week, any time of the day, and Jason Martin will see those. 855-500-CLAY. All right, do we have anybody who's still waiting? Uh, Because I told callers if they were still waiting. Jason Martin, anybody hang on? Because I want to get to them if they were willing to wait. Yeah, we got a couple. We got Joe in California that's waited for about an hour. Uh, Joe's been waiting an hour. Joe, appreciate the time. What's up, my man? Hey, what's up, Clay? Uh, You asked about overrated coaches. You totally forgot about Steve Spurrier earlier. And uh, I'm not a Jim Harbaugh honk. How is Steve Spurrier overrated? Um, he hasn't done anything since he was at Florida. I Granted, he's been out of South Carolina quite a while, but here on the West Coast, you don't ever hear about South Carolina football anymore. He's, one, well, he's, not there, he's not there anymore, but he's the most successful South Carolina football coach of all time. Now, that's maybe damning somebody with faint praise, but Steve Spurrier is one of the few coaches you can ever point to and say he was the greatest coach of Florida and he was also the greatest coach of South Carolina. How many college football coaches can you point to and say that they were the greatest coaches of two different programs? You got me on that one. But I'm just I don't, I don't know that there's anybody. Football fan. Yeah, I don't know that there's anybody else you could point to and say they were the greatest coach of two different programs. Uh, you can criticize Steve Spurrier a lot. Saying that Steve Spurrier is overrated is a ludicrous proposition. I mean, he made Florida football relevant again, or for the first time ever. I mean, he awoke that sleeping giant, and then he won at the at South Carolina at a level that the program has never won at before. So I, I don't buy into any criticism there. Um, any last call? Do we have a guy to get to quickly? 
Well, we can try. Chris in Texas. Chris in Texas. What's up? Hey, Clay. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, touch on Lane Kiffin to Arkansas, and obviously with his name, Arkansas has in the past built their program on recruits from not, obviously not the state of Arkansas. They get like five a year. Yep. Uh, and his connections everywhere, recruiting, and the, the underling, uh, the Kendall Browse, uh help from the state of Texas makes Lane Kiffin a home run to Arkansas. I just wanted to see what you think. Love the show. Yeah, that's my suggestion. If I were Arkansas's AD, I would go hire uh, Lane Kiffin, have him bring Kendall Bryles to Arkansas as well. You're effectively running the R. Bryles system, and you're going to score points hand over fist. I think it makes total sense. I love Arkansas. I mean, I love FAU in that game against Western Kentucky this week. Uh, Loaded show tomorrow. Make sure that you tune in. Go download the podcast. Thanks for spending your Monday with us. I'm Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Coverage. Most entertaining show anywhere in the country. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.